Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Here's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove podcast. We are going to be joined by a guest to talk about the Boston Red Sox and the American League East. We'll talk some baseball. We're going to talk mental health and professional athletes Maybe a little controversial today. And then we're also going to be talking about what is going on with the NBA fans. Have they lost their minds? We'll talk about all that and more. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Welcome in to a new edition of the Sports Stove Podcast. And today we've got some special guests with us. First, I'm going to bring in my dad, Dale Stover, back with us again for another episode of the Sports Stove Podcast, joining us live from Ohio. Welcome in, Dad. You doing all right today? Doing good. Doing good. Nice day today. All right. Uh, we also are excited as it's just our second episode with our newest sponsors, Yeti Coolers. Dad, if you don't mind, why don't you tell the listeners about Yeti? Yeti Coolers, they're at home on the dock, at the ranch, uh, in the blind, on the boat. Uh, and the new Tundra 65 is no exception to that. Um, it can hold keep your catch cold in the field, or it's just as good at storing your drinks and your food for your backyard barbecue. This chest is really roomy. It can hold a lemon of redfish or your prize brisket without breaking a sweat. Um, also, you can get this customized with your favorite collegiate team or MLB team. Uh, that is available in white coolers only. Um, click the link at the YouTube comments or in the podcast notes. Yeti coolers. All right. Very good. And what a uh, great idea to have Yeti coolers on now, especially when we're talking about baseball, because to start off our episode today, we're going to be talking about baseball and specifically the American League East. And so to help us do that, we're going to bring in the host of the Pesky Report, a Boston Red Sox um podcast also on the belly up network and he does other things as well we'll bring him in now brad chandler joins us brad how you doing i am doing awesome how are you two doing doing wonderful as well a lot of baseball going on right now and really in the major leagues there's been a fair amount of surprises especially in this early ongoing of the season for me, at least, one of those surprises is the Boston Red Sox. And uh, they've been in first place in the East for a while. They're not, of course, right now, uh, which is why we brought you in to give you give them some good luck to get back up there. But um, tell me, Brad, my first question is, will the Red Sox finish the season in either first or second place in the East, or are they going to drop down? I believe they're going to stay in second. Uh, the Yankees right now are absolutely terrible. Uh, the Rays are one of those teams that are just 
for some reason they can have a 60, 60 million plus payroll and still make it into the uh, into the postseason. Um, the Toronto Blue Jays are also a good team. The only team I see not being uh, such a uh, hard press is the Orioles. <laughs> oh, the poor Orioles! They, you know, you got to have one in every conference uh, in every division. So why not? Why not the Orioles for you all? Is Toronto going to get better? We'll talk about everything in a moment. But is Toronto going to be a legit factor in this division? I think that Toronto can be a legit factor. The problem with them is they yet to really play um, a game with Springer. I mean, he's right. been, he's been, he's played, I think a total of like nine games. Uh, he started the season off on the IL and he came, came in and they put him at DH and I'm not even sure if he played the field, but I know he's, he was back on the IL. I mean, yep. Vladdy Guerrero is also, uh, really, really hot. He's one of the best hitters right now in all of baseball. Yeah, my fantasy baseball team is well aware of George Springer's lack of playing time so far this season. Um, but nonetheless. Um, I'm extremely happy the Red Sox did not pick him up. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the Red Sox. Let's start with Alex Cora. Uh, he is back this season after his suspension with the Astros. Does, I think Cora is a good manager. It, what is... Um, what does he do for this team, and how important is he to their success so far this season? Alex Cora is like the way that he manages some of these players, but not even some of these players, all of these players. Uh, you've got Erod Devers, JD Martinez, Xander Bogarts. I mean, there's a story out there that Cora was telling that he couldn't get his twins to eat their breakfast. <laughs> so he, he told Xander to call the twins up and tell them to eat. And they did. I mean, that's that's what he means to those guys. He's like a father figure to those guys. And I mean, you can look at what he's uh, what Hunter Renfro has done. He's not known for an average type guy. I mean, he hit. I, I forgot what it was, but they said he was hitting over three hundred for the month of May. Hmm. So I mean, something's going on. You know, he's doing something good with the with him. I'm hoping that Marlon Gonzalez can turn it around. Uh, we just got Danny Santana not too long ago, and uh, you know he needs to turn it around too. But the way that he treats these these players, I mean, he he will tell them like how it is and whatnot, but he will be like a father type figure to them, tell them what they need to hear. Let's talk about the batters. J.D. Martinez is leading the team right now, but not far behind him. Xander Bogarts, uh, Devers, Devers, I'm not sure how you say that. Verd- Devers. Verd- Devers, okay. Verdugo is there as well, having a great season, also on my fantasy baseball team. Uh, but uh, nobody else cares about that. But nonetheless, uh, J.D. Martinez, he's one that I stayed away from. I know we're not talking about just fantasy baseball, but he's one that I kind of stayed away from because I thought he was going to have a down season this year. He's obviously not had a down season. I mean, he's hitting over 300 right now. So what is it about J.D. Martinez? How long is he going to be an impact player for Boston? So I believe his contract ends next year. Uh, And last year he had a really bad year. And a lot of players did. uh, had a, A lot of players in MLB had a bad year. One of the biggest factors in why J.D. Martinez was having a bad season last year was the fact that he wasn't able to go and look at the replay of his at-bats. Hmm. So he he studies his at-bats consistently 
when he's going in for batting practice, he has somebody videotaping his batting practice so that he can check check his swing. So I I knew as soon as they mentioned that they were going to have the iPads back that he was going to turn it around. <laughs> Isn't that funny how important technology has become? And then you take it away and it, it's a detriment. It's amazing how important it is and how much they lean on that as we do in everyday life as well. Uh, young core really in Boston right now. Who's been the mo- the biggest surprise, I guess, on the offensive side of things for Boston so far in this season? Hmm. I don't know who's really been a surprise because like Verdugo, we knew last year he hit over 300. So you knew he was going to hit for average. Um, I'd have to say I'd have a negative. Um, And I'm really, and I have to speak for my crew as well. Uh, We've talked tons about the fact that we do not like Kike Hernandez leading off. (laughs) <laughs> now that doesn't mean we don't like Kike Hernandez. We just don't think he's a leadoff guy. Yeah. You well, know, he's I, got what I one stolen base. He's batting up. It's up right now. He's batting two thirty nine as a leadoff guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's got one stolen base. Um, I'm looking at his stats right now to see what's there. Thirty seven hits. Not not horrible necessarily, but uh, yeah. When you're gonna have a leadoff guy, you got to get on base. And then you've got to you got to get some some bases once you're on base as right. well. Um, I, I, I get what I get what they're doing. Um, they believe that Verdugo is one of their better hitters, and they don't they want their better hitter hitting second. They tried doing that when Benny was on the team as well. So they wanted Benny to go ahead and hit leadoff, and then have Mookie Betts hit second. Obviously, that didn't work. I think that this is kind of similar. Uh, I. I don't like I said I'm not a big fan of Kiki Hernandez as the leadoff guy. Yeah. Uh let's go to the pitching of Boston. Uh so far this season to me and again I don't follow Boston. To me it's a surprise um what the pitching's been able to do even though it hasn't been spectacular necessarily. There's been some real successful stuff going on uh when it comes to the pitching as well. Uh for me Nick Pavetta has been the guy that stands out but uh Tell me a little bit about the pitching staff, uh, starting with the, the the rotation for Boston. All right, so the rotation is Eduardo Rodriguez, who he started the year off really good, um, coming back from the myocarditis and the COVID situation from 2020. He missed the entire season. And he basically was, I don't mean to, to say, but he was kind of like crippled. You know, he wasn't able to walk or anything like that. They didn't want him to do any of that stuff. So he didn't get to start, like, actually go out and pitch and stuff like that, get active until basically this 2020 season was over. So Eddie was good in April. Uh, May comes around. He went one and four, um, which is not good. He ended the, <laughs> the month or, yeah, he ended the month with a seven, like an over seven ERA. Ouch. So something's got to happen there. Mm-hmm. So that's that's Erod. Nathan Evaldi, or Nasty Nate as we call him. Uh, we know what we were. Red Sox fans know what to expect with uh, Evaldi. He's going to give you 95 plus. You know, he'll top out at like 99, 100 miles per hour. But he'll give up some. He'll give up some hits. He'll give up some uh, 
some runs and stuff like that, but he'll come back and he'll he'll pitch good. I believe his ERA is a little over four right now. I don't have the stats all in front of me, but yeah, he's at four point oh one. Yeah, so he's he's getting better as time goes on. But he's um, six and two, so you can't complain right, about that. <laughs> right. Well, when you're getting the run support, you're getting the run yeah. support. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, then you got Garrett Richards, who, in all honesty, when he first was signed, I was looking forward to getting you know. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. I wanted Odorizzi, um, and there was many other Red Sox fans that wanted Kluber. And you're looking at, at it right now, and it's like, out of the three guys, everybody was saying that Richards, they didn't want Richards simply because he, of his injury, uh, his prone, him being prone to being injured. So with that being said, knock on wood, out of those three pitchers, he's the only one that hasn't hit the IL. Yeah. Um. So then – he he started off really really bad. His first four games, uh, his first game was horrible. I think he went two and a third innings, um, gave up like a bunch of runs. He ended up with like a twenty or I don't even remember. I'm I'm trying to forget about it. But his <laughs> ERA was was ballooned. Uh, his second game was a little bit better. His third game was okay. His fourth game was terrible against the Blue Jays. He walked six and hit a batter. And then his fifth game, he came out, and I don't know what Dave Bush, our pitching coach, did with him, but they turned it around, and he pitched a gym against the New York Mets. Those gyms are important. <laughs> Absolutely. And then uh, the next one is Nick Pavetta. <clears throat> so Pavetta was picked up by the Red Sox with the uh, Brandon Workman, Heath Henry trade last year, and um, – That's worked sorry. out well. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sorry. Uh, child abduction alert just came across my phone. No. <laughs> sorry, attention. Um, but, yeah, he he was picked up with uh, Connor Siebold from the Phillies for Henry and Brandon Workman, and he started, he started down in the alternate site in 2020. And pretty much, like, the day after uh, his, his – uh, what is it? The contract, they, they, they mess around with the contract. So like they get an extra year of control from you. So uh, they brought him up the day after that, that finished. So that they had an extra year of control for him. Um, He couldn't really like complain about it because he was pitching terrible with Philly. Um, (laughs) So there's that. But then he comes up to the Red Sox, and the Red Sox now are, I believe, it's eleven and one when he starts a game. Wow! So that's really good. And the other one, uh, the other, the other pitcher in the rotation is Martin Perez, and we all know him from last year. And he 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 was basically the ace last year because Yavaldi wasn't. Uh, he was on the IL for part of last year and in, in a 60 game season. 
And Martin Perez took the ball every five days. So he's not going to be a fantastic pitcher. He's going to give you maybe five innings. He's not going to go six, seven, but uh, it is what it is. And that's yeah. basically our rotation. Uh, we did have uh, Tanner Houck up uh, for the beginning of the season. He is one of our prospects down at AAA uh, in, in Worcester. And everybody is just excited to see him come up. Perez is leading the rotation when it comes to ERA at 3.55. But his numbers are definitely not near as impressive as most of the other guys. Right. If you look at his innings pitched, it's a lot lower. Yeah. Dad, you had uh, one Red Sox question for Brad. Uh, it's actually a Giants question, but go ahead and ask ask your question. Yeah, being I'm a Giants fan, I have to wonder how did how did the Giants ever get a Yastrzemski? So uh, Yaz was actually drafted by the Red Sox, and he didn't want to go. To, he didn't want to play ball yet. So when he actually ended up playing ball, now I could be wrong here, but. I'm pretty sure I'm not. Uh, he ended up playing for the Orioles. And the Orioles kept him down in the minors for just way too long. And with the fact that they kept him down way too long, they didn't realize how good he was going to be. So when they brought him up, they ended up training him over to the Giants. And uh, a little fun fact here is uh, his grandfather, Carl, is still watching his games. And he says it's very hard to stay up that late. <laughs> yeah dad dad would definitely understand that uh, dad doesn't stay up late for my podcast most of the time so uh let's let's transition over to the al east now and uh, talk about what's going on there let's start with tampa you mentioned it before um they've done a great job uh very low salary um amount total amount of salary yet consistently they seem to be towards the top overachieving in my opinion um, and they, they're known for creativity when it comes to using the pitching staff and things like that as well. I was down on Tampa this year. I thought they would be in that three to four, third, third to fourth in the, the division. You're Yet here they are. They're, they're proving me wrong. 20 and seven on the road, 15 and 13 at home. What makes Tampa so dangerous if it's anything different than what we've already talked about? Honestly, I have no idea. I mean, as soon as they let Morton walk and then they let, they gave Snell um, mm-hmm. over to the Padres, they traded Snell to the Padres. It was like, okay, Tampa's going to come down to earth now. And they go out and get Rich Hill and it's like, okay, whatever. It's Rich Hill. He's 40 something years old. Not saying that's old, but when you, when you're talking about baseball and you're talking about a pitcher, that is old, yeah. you know, like 37, you know, you get up to that age. That's, that's old. So I'd be old in uh, baseball. But I don't know what it is. It's they just they click with everything. Uh, their front office knows what they're doing, and uh, being a person who's in the same division as them, it's it, it gets kind of annoying. You know, they got a sixty-two point seven million dollar payroll, and literally their salary, their twenty-six man salary, is forty-six million dollars. So you got you got basically uh, you have. Um, Trevor Bauer of the Dodgers, who's almost making as much as the 26, 26-man um, of the Tampa Bay Rays. And they really don't have a superstar. Uh, I mean, Arozarena, is, he's got a name everybody remembers from last year in the playoffs and stuff like that. But 
to me, you know, Austin Meadows is good, but um, and Glasnow's decent as a pitcher Glasnow's as well. Probably the biggest name on that team right now. Yeah, and that's about it, though. <laughs> like they're they're doing it all um, very old school, I would say, uh, and how they're how they're going about it. All right, let's get to your favorite, uh, your second favorite team, the Yankees. Uh, <laughs> uh, tell me about the Yankees. They're struggling. Yet they still have a roster that shouldn't be struggling. So what's the deal with the Yankees? So the Yankees have a $202.1 million payroll. Their 26th man is at $139.2 million. And for some reason, they just can't put it together. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton is not in the lineup again today. Um, imagine if he had to be out in, the, out in the field on a daily basis, how many games he would actually play. I mean, it's – it's upsetting. You know, if you're a Yankees fan, it's, you know, I'm not going to cry over it. I think it's absolutely <laughs> hilarious, but I mean, not that someone's injured or anything, but I just, right. you know, the Yankees are playing like garbage. And then you got, you know, unfortunately Corey Kluber just went down um, not too long ago and he's going to be out for two months. And that was their, their second best pitcher. So now they have, uh, I don't know what they're, uh, the rotation actually looks like. Um, but I do know that when the Red Sox go to face them next week, they're facing Michael King and Jameson Tyon and Domingo Horman. Not one of those names says Garrett Cole. And I am, a, yeah. I am okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> but, Toronto. But, oh, sorry. But, go ahead. but um, Luke Voigt. He's on the IL again. Uh, their outfield is absolutely garbage right now. They're using Brett Gardner as their center fielder. They're putting Andujar out in left field. Clint Frazier has just been trash. Um, so, I mean, I don't have any sympathy per se, but I kind of feel bad for Yankees fan. I mean, 27 rings, 27 rings, you know? <laughs> Who's tired of hearing that? Me? Yeah. Yeah, everybody is the evil empire. They uh, they really had some horrible injury. I don't know if you call it luck or not, but some just it seems like the last two three years it's been really bad for the Yankees when it comes to injury. Stanton and Judge obviously being the two biggest ones that have constantly battled. Judge is having a good season, but uh, Stanton struggling to stay on the field. Uh, Toronto, we talked a little bit about them earlier. Um, they're getting some games in Buffalo, uh, this week, I believe. And, uh, but, uh, you know, Toronto, they're, they're only a game behind the Yankees, six and a half behind Tampa right now. They are, have a losing home record and, uh, three games over 500 on the road, uh, as well. Uh, Toronto to me seems like the team that they're dangerous. It's just, gonna, can they get it all going at the right time? They're built with a bunch of young players. I mean, you've got Vladdy, you've got Bo Bichette, um, you've got um, Marcus Simeon. He's not young, but um, I forgot who the other one Biggio? Yeah, Biggio. Yeah, Biggio's there. Where is he? I don't see him on the 26th. But, um, yeah, you know, they got that young team, and they're dangerous, especially when you have Vladdy, who's like – blasting um, home <laughs> runs. I know when they were down in um, Dunedin, you know, the park was a lot smaller because it was a uh, spring training facility. It was basically a minor, it was a minor league field. And so is a Buffalo, but um, I mean, 
he was knocking balls around and whatnot. Uh, Bo Bichette, his fielding's a little a uh, little off, uh, but he's got it. He's dangerous in the box. Uh, Marcus Simeon, great player. Uh, so I, I feel like the Blue Jays don't get enough credit. Um, they don't have a a, a great uh, rotation. I mean, they have uh, Ryu. Uh, they got Robbie Ray, who hasn't hasn't been absolutely amazing. Um, but uh, then they got a closer who throws like I think it's the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. He throws like you know, all he does is throw changeups. <laughs> That's not entertaining. <laughs> no. Do uh, do Orioles fans have any reason to be optimistic in the next five years that they're going to be any good? So I have a uh, person that I so since I started Twitter um, back in like 2009, I started following this one person who's an Orioles fan, so we could talk baseball. And last year we started talking trash to each other, especially when the Red Sox and, and the Orioles were playing. And it was fun last year for them, not me. Um, <laughs> and this year it started off as they were talking trash about the Red Sox being garbage and the Orioles beating them. And I was just like, yeah, you know, whatever. It is what it is. And um, th- they swept us the first three games. And then we came back and we swept them at their home. So, And then now they're back in the cellar where they belong. <laughs> But to, All right. answer, to, to answer your question, um, I don't know. Uh, the the ownership doesn't want to spend money, um, and they're not. You know, to spend money, you'd have to have a crowd, and if you're not putting a a, a team out to to have people come, then I mean, you're you get the Red Sox that show up there, and the uh, Camden Yards is basically all Red Sox fans. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the hurdle you got to get over for sure. Um, all right, Brad Chandler's with us. He is the host of the Pesky Report. Tell people where they can find you on social media and where they can find your show. So I'm actually no longer on um, on Twitter. Uh, okay. And so the Pesky Report, you can find it on, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, just Pesky Report. So Twitter.com, Pesky Report, Instagram.com, backslash Pesky Report, and Facebook.com, backslash Pesky Report. All right. And podcasts pretty much anywhere you get podcasts? Yes. We put out a podcast after every series. Okay. And this Friday Friday we will be doing a live stream uh, on the Yankees series, uh, the Yankees game. Awesome. Awesome. And you're on, you're part of the belly up network, part of the family. And uh, so we're excited to have you on. We'll bring you back sometime closer, maybe to playoff time, especially if Boston's still around in it. Uh, Brad, I took more time than I told you I was going to take, but I sure appreciate you coming on. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Have a good one. You too. All right. That's Brad Chandler from the Pesky Report and the Boston Red Sox and the AL East uh, report there as well. I'm sure appreciate him taking the time to be with us. Uh, today's podcast episode is presented by Yeti Coolers and by Skull Candy. Dad, I didn't, I didn't prepare you for this. Do you want to tell the people about Skull Candy or do you want me to? You, you can. 
All right. So whether you're looking for true wireless freedom or total musical immersion, now is the time to score a deal on Skull Candy Audio. $20 off their feature-packed Indie Evo earbuds or $30 off active noise-canceling Hesh ANC headphones. Click the Skull Candy link in the YouTube comments or in the podcast notes to get these great deals. So both Skull Candy and Yeti links are available for you in the podcast notes or in the YouTube comment section as well. All right, Dad, let's get a little bit serious here. Uh, let's start off with, let's start off with the NBA and the fans. What in the world is happening here? We've had, uh, so we've had, uh, popcorn get thrown on a player. We've had a water bottle get thrown at a player. We've had a fan run on the court. That was last night. Uh, we had spitting. We had racial comments given to John Morant's family in the stands. Um, and then a lot of vulgar language being given. Um, is this new? Is this, you know, based off of the quarantine and everybody's been cooped up? Or has this kind of activity been going on for a long time? Well, I, I'm a little surprised it's gotten to the state it has now because I remember back in the day you went to pro sports and it was pretty rough a lot of times. Um, but years ago, they wanted to make it where children could go, families could go. And uh, a lot of things, you know, the ones I'm familiar with are NFL stadiums as well as the hockey stadiums. And uh, a lot of franchises have done a very good job uh, training their ushers, having security people, and making them very available because that's the key. If there's a problem at a game, you know, you're not going to have to go hunt somebody down. People have to be aware of that type of thing if they want to stop it. It makes me wonder a little bit with the NBA. Um, if they don't crack down, yeah, this will just keep going on because, um, again, there was different places – um, you know, from what I understand, it used to be very rough in Lambeau Field, and some of these people, they were like cult heroes, and then all of a sudden, you know, they said, this isn't going to work. You know, not everybody wants to sit through that, mm-hmm. and again, I think if you want to be, if you want to have kids come, which I'm not sure what the, you know, the NBA, they've kind of attracted a different thing, um, and, you know, they've gotten so popular with stars and everything like that. I think this is, this is an outcropping of that. Again, the NBA is a little different. The court is very accessible um, with fans. So there's ways to stop it. There's ways to keep control of it. Um, I remember years ago, I think it was when Patrick Ewing was in college, the big East had about, you know, one year, they just had an outbreak of fighting. Hmm. Teams were fighting each other, um, and they, they stopped that. They had to. You know, that was yeah. teaching the wrong lesson. They were starting, I was starting to bleed over into high school and different things like that. So I think they have to do something with it. You know, you, you don't want to get like British soccer games, you know, where <laughs> right. you have that kind of problem. Um, and, and you don't want to have to have that kind of big, sad incident you know, to stop this and, and they're going to have to, you know, I was listening. I think it was Ryan Rosillo, but I could, I don't know if it could have been someone else, but they said, you know, 
one person out of 20,000, for instance, the water bowling, the water uh, bottle throwing incident was one person that did it, 20,000 people in the stadium. So it's not like that's a massive issue as far as a bunch of people doing it. It's one person each night, but it's, it's become so constant here in the first and second round of the playoffs that we're kind of trying to figure out why it's happening so often. And the excuse is a lot of people are saying is, oh, well, everybody's been cooped up. Well, that doesn't excuse you for doing something so stupid. Now, listen, the guy that threw the water bottle was getting charged with battery and assault. That seems a little over the top. Now, will it put a stop to it? I would like to think so. Um, but you know, that's a little, that's a little intense and yelling at someone is different than spitting at someone. And in no ways do we, do we accept or find it okay for you to be racist, uh, for there to be violence, for there to be, um, and honestly, vulgar language is something, you know, you and I, um, we don't like vulgar language. We don't want to hear it. And if I have my kids in the stadium, I don't want to hear it. And right now in New York, there were chants with swear words and things like that, where the whole stadium was doing it. That kind of stuff's a little much. A couple quotes for you. Kyrie Irving, he says, you're seeing a lot of old ways come up, just underlying racism and treating people like they're in a human zoo. People just feel really entitled out there. I thought it was interesting that an NBA superstar felt like the crowd was feeling entitled when the reality is, is yes, when they were, when they're acting that way, they have that, that bravery, so to say, uh, and throwing something and, and going after the players like that. But entitlement, well, I mean, NBA players are as entitled as any superstar athlete there is, um, out there and the way they feel like they shouldn't have to put up with anything. Whereas the fans should just be thankful they can be in the same arena as them. James Harden said, it's really unacceptable throwing things, disrespectful language. It's ridiculous at this point. I laughed uh, out loud when I heard or saw this quote from James Harden, disrespectful language. Dad, you don't watch a lot of NBA, but I'm sure you understand that the basketball players and the way they respond to the officials is oftentimes not categorized as respectful language, but more often than not disrespectful language. So for James Harden to say it's unacceptable for the crowd to use disrespectful language towards us when in turn the players are constantly berating the officials and uh, the other players on the court as well using disrespectful language. Why is it okay for them and not for the fans? I think it's wrong for everybody. And if you're watching at all in, in youth leagues, in AAU basketball, the way the players treat the officials, the way the parents treat the players and the officials, it's absolutely ridiculous. And not just the NBA needs to get better. Society as a whole needs to get better as well. That brings us to our last topic of the day, and it's been pretty popular here uh, today. Naomi Osaka, she is a uh, world number two ranked tennis player, announced this week that she is going to, she withdraws from the tournament. And one of the reasons why is because of her anxiety does not allow her uh, to, uh, to talk to the media. She was getting fined and got threatened to a more, uh, serious, I guess, so to say, uh, punishment as well. And I want to, I'm going to say a few things here, dad. I want to first of all make clear, 
I do not belittle mental health. I think that our, our world has gotten a little bit better with understanding that some people are going through things that maybe we don't understand, but we can be respectful about how we deal with it. So I'm not minimizing mental health and the things I'm about to say. But I want to read a couple more quotes for you. Uh, Chine, uh, and I'm going to mispronounce her last name, so I won't try. She's on ESPN. Uh, she says, as a professional athlete that also works in media, I experience both sides. Accessibility is important for media to cover sports, but never at the cost of mental health and inner peace. Thank you, Naomi, for sharing your truth and speaking for those who share the same struggle. Uh, Elizabeth Cambage says, doing media is for, uh, is forced upon us. It's time to start protecting those who don't want to speak. Let their game speak for them. Being forced to do media shouldn't be a part of being an athlete. All right. So here's my thoughts on this. And then dad, you can tell me if you think I'm way off on this or not. First of all, being a professional athlete is going to have its pros and it's going to have its cons. There are going to be things that you get to do because you're a professional athlete, privileges that you receive because you are a professional athlete. Along with that comes certain responsibilities. And you may not like the responsibilities, but because you're a professional athlete, they are uh, responsibilities that you need to fulfill. Now, Naomi says, I have major ways of anxiety doing press. But she also mentioned the fact that when she loses, she doesn't like getting the questions about the loss. It, it, it stirs up the depression and those kinds of things as well. Well, in that, in my opinion, that means you don't need to be a professional athlete. Can you struggle with things? Yes. But there are ways to get help because you have the ability to get help being that you are a multimillionaire and you can hire staff and you can hire people that can help you. You can have a conversation and ask for different ways to get things be adjusted to help a little bit with your anxiety and how the press comes. But if you're going to say you're not allowed to ask me why I lost or why I played badly because it hurts my, my mental health, it's an excuse at that point to avoid the negative criticism. And the reality is, if you're going to play sports, you're going to get negative criticism. Whether you're a professional athlete or just some kid playing pickup ball, you're going to get negative criticism. And so you have to come to the point and you have to be able to understand this is going to happen. This is a part of the job that you have as a professional athlete. One of the things that Chine said is she said, uh, uh, never at the cost of mental health or inner peace. Listen, you're getting millions of dollars. If, if talking to the media doesn't give you inner peace, it doesn't matter. Now, if it's, if it's truly driving you to a dangerous place mentally, you need to get help. You need to step away, but it's just like she did. And I give her credit for doing stepping away from the game. If you can't deal with the responsibilities that the game gives, you need to step away from it. You can't be a part of it. It's just that simple. If you cannot fulfill the responsibilities, then you need to step out just like you would in any other job. If you cannot fulfill the responsibilities, you just can't have that job anymore. And I'm afraid that mental health as, as important and serious as it can be is starting to become an excuse for some people as they try to get out of certain things. Kyrie Irving is a great example of this. Um, and we trust me, we believe he has mental health issues, but 
the reality is, is now you're going to start seeing people use this as an excuse. Whereas Marshawn Lynch said, I'm just here so I don't get fined. Well, now you're going to have people saying, well, I'm not going to go do that because of my mental health. And it takes away from the seriousness of the people who are actually dealing with it. And now just becomes an excuse for everybody else to jump on board. Dad, you grew up in a time where it was a little bit more of rub some dirt on it. Um, you know, uh, suck it up, buttercup, that kind of mentality. What are you seeing now in the way that the generation is currently going and this, some would call it weakness of, of the, the professional athletes and their inability to handle criticism or uh, negative, anything negative that comes with the millions of dollars and the stardom and, and everything that comes with being a professional athlete? Um, well, I, I think you're right as far as there's responsibility. If you're going to be a professional athlete and, you know, if you're going to be a star, then there's things that go with that. And there are going to be pressures that go with that. There's going to be things that aren't fair. Um, you know, they're going to get benefits that aren't fair. Um, so I think you're, you're, you're right on with all of that. Um, the media, um, you know, a lot of people don't like to deal with the media. I think the media um, has changed a lot in my day, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, the media need to be responsible. You don't need a lot of media, but are just trying to get a reaction um, from there. I think both the media and the players have forgotten that the reason both of them are successful is for the fans. They're sports fans. That's how we grew up. We like to watch sports. We like to cheer for our teams. You, but now the fans, you know, don't matter. Okay. Well, if no one goes to the games and no one watches the games and supports the sponsors, all of a sudden that's going to change. Um, and that's happened. In other words, baseball had to strike. They've never really recovered from that. There's people that just don't. I talked to someone this week, you know, they haven't watched a professional football game in two years apart from the playoffs. You know, you get into the playoffs and it's exciting or whatever, but you don't have the fans listening on the radio every night, keeping up with things every night. Um, Because, I mean, some of the media stuff is great. There are some great people in the media and their stuff is foolishness. They'll say one thing one day. You know, they have a three-hour show, and they'll contradict themselves twice. You know, they're saying <laughs> things just to get a reaction. Um, you know, I love sports talk people that are fans. Mm-hmm. I may not agree. I may not have the same team they do. But if they're a sports fan, I can relate to them. If you're just trying to make money and make a name for yourself, that comes through real quick, and that gets old. And I think the media has to be careful, but I, I, there is a responsibility. I mean, coaches don't like press conferences, but you have to do that. Um, and the same way with, you know, I think you're right. If there starts to get to be a way where people can get out of it, then all of a sudden, you know, well, yeah, I'm having problems. You know, I'm not feeling good today. You're right. We don't want to minimize mental health. Uh, but you're also right about these people have, they can get help. Mm-hmm. They have the resources to get help. Um, and most teams I know 
provide help for those type of things. Um, advisors, counselors, different things like that. And I know tennis isn't a team sport, and that's a little different. But, um, uh, I mean, I I think you're right, and I think, um, you know, there's got to be so much money in it that that's just what drives everything. And um, But if people are going to make a lot of money, then, yeah, well, there's responsibilities too. Some great points there, Dad. Thank you for pitching in on that as well. Uh, there and I think that covers the topic pretty well, at least on our end and uh, the things that we that we are um, wanting to get across today. Because you know it's it's sad when we watch. And again, I want to say it. I know we've said it a couple times already. We're not minimizing mental health, but we as the average citizen, we as the paying fan that pay to see the games and pay to get the access to the athletes. And the only access we have is either their social media or through the media that, that writes the articles and puts on the interviews and, uh, and has the opportunity to ask the questions that we can't ask because they won't get answered. And when players get to the point where they say, you know what, I just, it, it, uh, um, it's too hard for me to answer questions. We as the paying fan go, wait a second, what? Like, what's the point of me paying all this money if I get zero access to you except for when you play? Um, that's not a fair deal. And, uh, and, and so to understand with the privilege or with the, um, benefits that come with being a professional athlete comes some hardships as well. You know the old statement, more money, more problems. Well, you know, most people would say, I'll take the more problems as long as you give me the more money. Professional athletes, celebrities, politicians, they got the money, so they need to be able to answer the questions. And I just hope that we can come to a point where we understand um, and help people work through these issues as opposed to just say, okay, you're out or just say, well, um, okay, you don't have to do this because if they go to that route, then everybody's going to go that route. And so um, hopefully they can figure out a way to work together to find ways where she can still answer questions, even the hard questions, and uh, and still have an opportunity for the fans. And it helps grow the sport. You're an ambassador of the sport that you play. And if you refuse to talk to the media, you're uh, you're not doing your sport any favors. And a sport like tennis needs young superstars, which Naomi Asaki, Asaka is. And so let's hope that everything comes together for that. We've had a good episode today. Brad Chandler joined us from the Pesky Report, bellyupsports.com. And uh, then we also uh, were able to mention our sponsors, Yeti Coolers and Skull Candy. Make sure you go visit the links in the podcast notes and the YouTube comment section uh, to get those links and find yourself a new cooler or drinkware or whatever you want from Yeti, some great products there. Or, and then also Skull Candy to get yourself a new set of earbuds or headphones there as well. Dad, thanks for joining us today. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. Whether you watch live, we'll be live again on Thursday night at 8 p.m. if you can join us on YouTube. Otherwise, the uh, the episode will be on the podcast version available uh, later Thursday night and into Friday morning as well. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's Sports Stove Podcast. Until next time, we'll see you 
around the sports stove. <laughs>